This week for our inaugural show, we've got a great interview with Dr. Ryan Strother, Executive Director for the State Convention of Indiana Baptists. Uh, he's going to be talking about issues that face today's pastors. Welcome to the Speak Life Podcast. So the place where I wanted to start is just give you a chance to talk a little bit about yourself, who you are, where you're coming from, uh, a little bit about your family. Just, yeah. just talk a little bit about you. Well, I'm Ryan Strother, serve as the executive director of the State Convention of Baptist in Indiana. So we are one of the 41 state conventions in uh, that cooperate with the Southern Baptist Convention. So uh, almost two years ago, I stepped into that role. Prior to that, was uh, uh, born in Florida, raised in Maryland, and... Uh, thought I wanted to be a teacher. So that's what I, I was a middle school teacher. Uh, Lord made it very clear that he was calling me into ministry. So uh, ended up uh, an associate pastor role in a church outside of Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, for the longest time then, several years after then, I served in Ohio uh, as a pastor of a church there for 12 years. And uh, then mm -hmm. two years ago, slipped in this role. So Nikki and I have been married 18 years. We've got five children. Wow. And uh, they are between the ages of 14 and 10. So three of those are biological, two are adopted. So adoption, foster care, all that's a big part of our story as a family. Yeah. And uh, a lot of people, you know, you say we got five kids between 14 and 10, and they're, you can see them trying to do the math, but our <laughs> adopted one just fit into the, the windows there, the yeah. windows. So, uh, yeah, our, our crew of seven, and, uh, you know, we're, we're just uh, just all kind of fun all the time. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. And for... That just, just you know, personal disclosure, and we we kind of talked about this briefly yeah. there earlier. This just it, it's a very surreal thing. So yeah, way is. back when, yep. uh, when I first started into ministry, uh, Ryan, you were a middle schooler in the youth right. group. I was, I was thinking about this earlier. I still think he, not only about you being a middle schooler in the youth group as I was getting married, which by the way, to hear you say that you're married for uh, 18 years is crazy to me. So Julie and I will be married for 27 years My uh, here, here in a week, a week from today, mm. be 27 years. Mm. Um, so it'll be before the, it's August 10th. So before this airs, um, but yeah, just it's like I said, we've come a long way since then. It's Man, uh, it's wild to think about how things have changed. Although I still so, listen to the supertones occasionally. Some yeah. <laughs> massive vivid. If you remember massive vivid, I mean, we man, we we were just, yeah. We were getting it all, man. No kidding. I was just listening to the Supertones and the W's. The other day, I was with our youth group at False Creek Church Camp yeah. uh, for a week, and we had that playing on the uh, radio in our cabin Amen. at one point. Amen. It was great. And PFR was my all-time favorite. I, I listened to him the other day even, you know. Yeah. Man. Well, I, so the point of this podcast, the main thing that we're trying to do is give people an opportunity uh, who've either you know, been pastors or have the chance to be around pastors a good bit, or like in your situation, both to yeah. just speak into some of the challenges that exist. And so it's really divided into two main areas. Area number one, uh, what are some of the main challenges you've faced? And then area number two, what based on that are some of the things that you would say uh, from the wisdom of your experience to younger pastors who are getting started? And so starting with uh, what are some challenges you've faced in ministry? Yeah. What comes to mind? I, you know, I, here's where I would start: is 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 leading with little or no accountability. Mm, okay. And, and what I mean by that is, 
so many churches, especially guys starting out, you're looking for a, you know, you, you feel called to ministry, you go, you find a church that's needing a pastor. They may or may not be structured in a way that provides any kind of accountability for you. You may be okay. the lone ranger, so to speak. You know, you go into a church and, and the, at least in our convention, you know, the, the average church size is 70 people. So we're talking normal oh, wow. sized churches and in a normal yep. sized church, you don't have a staff of 20 people. You know, you, you, you may have an office worker, um, but there's no other pastors necessarily. You may have some deacons that, that are, you know, volunteering, they're serving that way. But a lot of guys get into a pastorate and they're the guy, yep. you know. Yep. One of, the, one of the challenges that I felt when I was pastoring and, and now in my role uh, with our state convention, I get to interact with 400 and some pastors regularly and, and hearing their yeah. stories. But, but what I mean by accountability is not just morally, some of the stuff you know, we've talked about, but, but even theologically. You, you, oh, yeah. As you continue to minister and you continue to look at how are we applying scripture and ministering to our people well, shepherding them, um, you, you've got, I think, in a couple ways where if you don't have any accountability to that, okay. it's so easy not only for yourself to get off track theologically or morally, but even to take the church in that direction, whether you're trying to or not. So, yeah. uh, one of the challenges I had, you know, that I found was not only was it becoming overwhelming for me to handle some of the situations our church was experiencing, then you talk, now you can bring in uh, burnout and you can bring out, you know, all kind of oh, other yeah. issues there that pastors face because you're trying to, to deal with so many things. And, uh, and so when I found that, one of the, the transitions we made when I was pastoring was we moved to a, a plurality of elders, which... I'm not going to okay. advocate for a certain form of church government, uh, but right. but even if it's not an official government that way, but to to have a team of people that are with you, yeah. that that have the open door to to ask you hard questions, to challenge you on decisions, to to be part of the decision making process. Um, Bill, I started. I mean, when we when we made this transition, one of the verses that was so so, uh, still it is just a great reminder, I think, for us is Romans seven twenty one, and I'll paraphrase mm -hmm. it, but basically Paul's saying that uh, I, I find this to be a law at hand, that when I strive to do what is right, evil lies close by. And we oh. know that when we're, we're doing the right thing, when we're serving the Lord, we know Satan's going to derase. He's trying to get us off track somehow. Yep. And we made this transition in our leadership, which puts several other guys uh, right around me. And so we had our plurality of elders, had a plurality of deacons and that, but, um, and we were still congregational, but this isn't about church government. What it was about right. was as soon as we made that change, we had a deacon that next weekend who left his wife for another woman. And I'm immediately thrown oh, into wow. this, you know, you get that call from a deacon's wife. You know, he he yeah. left me and he's going, you know, and, and now it's like, oh my goodness, where, you know, Here's the neat thing was I wasn't by myself dealing with that anymore. You know, yeah. it, it, there was a team of us and I can't even tell you how many hours we spent on that one particular situation. And it wasn't sure. just me, you know, um, we had six months later, we had a, a, a staff minister who uh, went wayward doctrinally. Okay. And man, I, that, that's, that was horrible. It was, a, it was a, just a horrible time just a really hard scenario to, to, to lead through.
but I wasn't alone in doing that. Yeah. So there was, there's accountability in the hard times. There can be accountability personally uh, for the pastor. There can be accountability in just wisdom and discernment as you're thinking through uh, decisions that are impacting a lot of people and how yeah. to navigate those decisions. You've get you've got the wisdom. There's wisdom in the multitude of counsel. And, you know, yep. uh, you get that when you have accountability. And so yeah. one of the challenges, I think, is for the guy who's leading a church, and he's, he's the pastor. He's the lone ranger there. Everybody's looking up to him. So somehow I would encourage you to know, find a way to put those levels of those people of accountability around you, uh, whether that become a formal structure or not. Yeah. You know, when you talk about accountability too, it, there's two sides to that, right? It's not just accountability, uh, helping people to steer clear of sin. Sometimes it's accountability. No, you don't need to do that extra speaking engagement. You right. need a break. You need some yep. rest. Yep. You need to find some room for yourself. And so it, yep. it, there's, there's multiple pieces to that accountability. And like you said, when you're at that smaller church, because uh, if 70 is your average, that means you've got a ton that are smaller than 70, That's right. right? And right. so you've got the pastor who is uh, prepping his sermons for Sunday morning and prepping Bible study for Wednesday night and ordering the Sunday school material and shoveling the snow when it That's hits, right. right? And so it, right. it's all of that. Yeah. It, it's hard to fly solo. Yeah, absolutely. When, when that's what's going on. Yeah. And, and I would add to that, you know, one of the, maybe one of the greatest blessings, not only in those scenarios I just told you, those are real situations that yeah. I wasn't alone in that. But one of the greatest blessings was when uh, the other elders sat down with me at one point. It was a draining time. I was I was tired. There were things that were just, it was draining. And I was not hiding it well, obviously. And they saw it. And we sat down together. And probably the greatest blessing they, they, they gave me was they said, hey, we know you're tired. You're not on top of your game right now. Yeah. So we want you to rest for a few weeks. Tell us what you need us to do. Yeah. And I was like, oh, man, you know, like this is <laughs> first off, I didn't hide it. So I felt a little embarrassed, but um, yeah, but I knew, but I knew they were right. And I was just yeah. thankful that, man, here's these other guys that are saying, hey, look, you're tired. You're drained. You need to recharge. So what do you need from us? So it, the, the conversation was real quick. Okay, can you preach for the next two Sundays? Can you handle this? Can you, you know, yeah, it was so life giving for me. I mean, it was like, like yeah, a two absolutely. three week break, you know. But man, that was that was big. And if those guys weren't there, I would have kept going. Yeah, and I would have kept burning it out. I would have kept, you know, and then who knows where it could have led to, you know? Yeah, well, and and people would have still seen it. They yep. just wouldn't have piped up and said anything. Right. But when you already have the team established and you're all swimming in the same direction, right. it makes it so much easier yep. uh, just based on having a good team. And Absolutely. so, so you know, we're talking about what are some, some of the big challenges. Accountability is one of those. Yeah, absolutely. We've talked that through a good bit. Um, well, what else comes to mind? What are other challenges? Loneliness. You're, mm. We're seeing more studies coming out about just pastors and loneliness. Um, here's the challenge. Yeah. I'll, I'll address it in two ways, two, two facets of loneliness. Number one is pastors easily get into positions where you don't know who you can trust. You don't know who could really be your friend. And, yeah. and it's easy. It's easy to, to think about, well, I've got to guard myself. I can't say certain things. I can't, 
uh, reveal that or whatever because somebody's going to turn it around on me. They're going to stab me in the back. They're going to twist my words. Yeah. They're going to, you know, da, da, da. And, and, and so because of that, it's so easy to distance yourself and not have quality friendships. It's, it's kind of sad when you can go to pastors and say, hey, um, who are your, your three best friends? And they're kind of like, um, yeah, and, and it takes them a minute, you know. Yeah. That's a question we should be able to answer. And there should yeah. be there should be friendship like like good godly friendships, you know. Um, but it's so easy. So on loneliness, we naturally distance ourselves because we're afraid of the ramifications if that relationship yep. goes bad in some way. Yeah. Uh, the other side of that is um, a lot of guys in ministry are they're moving away from where they considered home, maybe where they grew up, or that you know. Oh yeah. They move away from that. And so you don't have the natural relational outlets of family, the friends you've had for maybe ever that were in that area. Um, you, you've moved away from that. Maybe the Lord's called you somewhere and, and you don't have immediate family around you. You know, yep. And that was our case. And so what, what was challenging in that, we talk about loneliness, sometimes the, the, the times you feel it the most are around major holidays. Yep. All right, especially the Christian holidays where you kind of have to be in church on Easter. You know, like yeah. you, you kind of need to be there for Christmas Eve. And, you know, uh, if Christmas is a Sunday, well, you're there, you know, uh, yeah. it, you get around those holidays. And if if you're not in you know near family, close to them anymore, you're geographically separated. There's the loneliness. And, you know, you could go preach a great Easter Sunday sermon yep. and then you go home and it's like, oh, and, it, and it, you and then. I mean, Satan already the the worst conversations for a pastor come on Sunday afternoon in his own mind, you know. And mm. Satan's going to try to take it. And man, put that on Easter Sunday, yep. When there's nobody, like, where's where's my ham? Where's my you know green bean casserole? Where's my <laughs> and and that stuff isn't there necessarily because everybody's yeah. back, you know, over here doing that. And it just amplifies that that temptation yeah. or the struggle of. Oh man, maybe I'm not doing the right thing. Maybe I'm in the wrong place, but it amplifies that loneliness. Yeah. Well, and there's definitely a sense of, you know, some of what we were talking about before the, the idea of how that loneliness uh, can then intersect with boundary issues. Absolutely. Uh, and so the need for accountability yeah. as you're working with folks, yeah. you know, it, there are a couple things that come to mind as you're talking about, you know, the things that, that pastors deal with and that, that feeling isolated, that feeling alone, not, not knowing who you can connect with. And the one that really resonated was when you brought up the, uh, you know, who are your three best friends? Yeah. Uh, you asked that and I immediately started thinking about, I was like, that, that's not an easy list for me to come up with either. And, yeah. and part of that is just because we're men. And so men tend right. to be worse at that than women anyway. Sure. When you stack on top of that, that we're talking about pastors who have that sense of, little bit of separateness mm -hmm. uh, and it's not necessarily the pastor is the one who has that sense it's the parishioners are the ones who are also going to have that sense of that mm -hmm. uh, and so there's a sense of uh, separateness and disconnect uh, right. and then I'm also thinking of uh, you know for any of the pastors who are uh, watching or listening to this that that have been away to seminary that you make some friends there but it's a different kind of friendship right? right i mean these are people that you can bond with and get close to that you also know are in your life for a limited time yep. uh, and they might be lifelong friends like i just 
Uh, I've been very blessed. Uh, one of the guys I served on ministry staff with back in Texas uh, is now the pastor at my church here in Missouri. Oh, that's good. Uh, and it just, through total happenstance, he actually had been in New Orleans, uh, serving at New Orleans Seminary before that, and it just huh. worked out. But that is big time the exception to the rule. Right. Uh, and so to, to come back into contact with some of those friends that you build in seminary is not the norm. Yep. And so you can think about those friendships of these are, you know, men and women I know that, that are, you know, me and my wife are friends with uh, them as husband and wife too. Mm-hmm. But you just, you know, that's going to come to an end as far as time together and being able to see each other. Right. In, in, and ministry, when, in ministry, you can have thousands of acquaintances. Mm-hmm. And very few real friendships. Yep. It's so easy. Yep. But part of it, is, especially if you're moving into a place that's a smaller town, mm-hmm. uh, you're part of the out group. Right. You know, these are people who've known each other uh, for decades. And maybe in some of those smaller churches, a whole bunch of them are also related to one another. Right. And then all of a sudden you're coming in, you're you're going to be an outsider for at least the first eight to 10 years mm-hmm. because it just takes that long right. to, to become part of the group. Yeah. And, and that's if you're investing in it intentionally. That's, and, and that's a good point because you have to, you have to make the investment. It's not just yeah. going to happen. You know, you have to, to try, you've got to get out there a little bit, you know, which sounds a little strange, but you know, you've got to put in, your side of a relationship, it's not just one side, you know, you've, you've got yeah. to put into it. And, you know, you, you need some guys that you can go, you go play pickleball with, you go ride your bike, whatever, you know, whatever yep. your activities are. You need some guys, you can go do that where you're not talking about church life at this, yep. like, you know, like you just have normal life too. And I, um, and I think that's hard, you know, I wonder if there's studies out, I don't, I don't know just how with, with the topic of loneliness, it just maybe lends itself even to further burnout in pastor because if you're if you're feeling lonely, you're isolated. You're, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to yeah. just go work more. You know? Yeah. Well, I think to an extent, we just had a worldwide case study on that called COVID. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. And, and so you have uh, there are some interesting studies out there. One of them is by uh, I'm actually looking at a book over on my file cabinet, The Resilient Pastor by Glenn uh, Packiam. Uh, was through a bunch of research with the Barna Group, looking at what are some of the things that changed as a result of COVID and pastors who left the ministry during that time frame, the number of pastors who seriously considered, now whether they actually left or not is a different story, but the number of pastors who seriously considered leaving ministry during COVID and the isolation, the intensified isolation that happened with that skyrocketed. Right. It, it, it was a drastic change in what people were dealing with. Yeah. So. I think now, as we're getting you know back toward normalcy uh, more thoroughly, uh, there's room to start paying more attention to. Okay, so non-COVID, now that we're back to normal life, how does that change things in terms of right. that isolation, and how does it change our understanding of the need to intentionally fight against mm-hmm. uh, that kind of isolation? Yeah, it certainly highlighted it, no doubt. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, one thing we're seeing now, and this is, there's some hard data on this, but, but it's more anecdotal at this point is I think we're seeing a pastor shortage now. And, and what I yeah. mean by that is 
we we know for sure the largest age group of pastors right now in America are from the boomer generation. So those guys mm-hmm. are getting ready to retire if they've not already. Yeah. And even with in our convention of churches, the you know our seminaries are putting some of them have record numbers of graduates. Uh, well, th- those aren't all going into the pastorate, but. Uh, even as, as we put the record numbers out, we're not going to replenish the group that's moving on right now. And so, yeah. but then you add into that, I think there's some guys that they just said, you know what, if, if leading a church is going to look like this, I mean, they think of COVID and they think if it's going to be emotionally draining, if, I mean, one of the challenges with COVID and pastoring was it didn't matter what you decided some yeah. people thought it was the worst decision while some people thought it was the best decision. I mean, you couldn't win during COVID with decision making. Yep. So guys are looking at all this and say, man, this this isn't worth my my health, you know, because of the, the stress and what that's gonna do to you physically. Um, it's just not worth my family. It's not it's not yeah. worth it. And that's sad that we've got guys who maybe are feeling called to ministry, but yet that temptation there is saying, well, I don't know if it's worth it, you know. Um, man, that's, that's yeah. a tough spot. So we're seeing now churches that are taken a long time sometimes to find a pastor. Uh, some that are just struggling to get quality resumes, all that kind of, you know, it's just the pool yeah. of candidates seems to be a little smaller right now. Yeah, I've seen that not only with, uh, you know, the senior pastor position, mm-hmm. but in searches for other positions. Like yeah. I, It wasn't that long ago I was chairing a search, and this is a decent-sized church, uh, full-time student ministry position. Man. Uh, shotgun that out to seminaries, shotgun that out to uh, you know, Southern Baptist Convention jobs website, like really getting it out there. Yeah. Incredibly small number of applicants compared to what I was expecting. That's right. And, and it's just things have definitely changed. Absolutely. Things have definitely changed. Yeah. So we've talked about a couple of things, uh, and I'm looking at time and realizing we're starting to get a little bit low on time. Uh, when we think about accountability yeah. and loneliness as two core issues, what are the kinds of things then, and we've talked about it a little bit already, What right. is, uh, is there specific advice that you would give, specific suggestions you would give to younger pastors to head some of that stuff off at the pass? Yeah, uh, two specific things. I would say on the accountability side, surround yourself with with godly leaders that will that will work with you and again mm-hmm. whether that be formally in, a, in your church setting whatever that is uh one of the greatest blessings and one if you were asked me who are some of your best friends one of the guys on my list is i don't even know how old he is i think he's like 70 some he yeah. walks around some days like he's 90 something i guess but uh <laughs> you know but but he's he's a retired pastor who has become such a good friend to me and yeah you know, and, and he happened to be in a formal position with the church as well. But our friendship was just one where I could text him, say, man, I need I need lunch, Bob Evans, tomorrow. And he'd be there and I could say anything. And, yeah. And it was not going to be turned around or whatever. Fine guys like that. You've got to have that, especially younger guys starting out. I think we can get out there and think we're going to change the world. You know, we got all the answers. We get, man, there's so much we've got to learn. So that, that first specific thing is, is find those people. If it's not in a formal setting or, but find those people and you may have to work at that, but find the people that can be that relationship for you. Um, mentoring, friendship, all of that. 
Um, the second thing, I, you know, with loneliness, um, one of the things mm. that our family did, because we were in that position where um, we we were we were never with family over Easter. We were never with family over, yep. um, you know, Christmas Eve. Now Christmas, we try to travel if we could if it wasn't a Sunday, but we were that family that didn't have other family close by. Yeah. And so what we did was we we took it as almost a if you want to say an outreach type thing or whatever, but we just we said okay. who are other families like us who don't have family nearby, you know, and then let's get them together for uh, Easter dinner. Or the other thing, some yep. of the families we would do that with um, were other ministry families in our town that we knew were in the same position. Yep. And so we would uh, we would maybe do Easter dinner maybe at four o'clock or something like. Man, go go rest a bit after all your morning stuff, you know, and then let's just hang out together, and let's let's have let's share a meal together, you know. Yeah. So we we started looking at it that way: is we we could be all by ourselves, or we can choose to invite other people into that. Yeah. And and it actually ended up being a blessing for all of us because we were all in that same situation, you know. Yeah. So that's the intentionality, I think. You know what you mentioned earlier. And invite yeah, other people into that. And it's, it's huge. And so it, yeah, inviting other people in and investing yep. in it on purpose. Cause that's not the kind of stuff that just happens on accident. And it's kind of like you found, uh, it's a need that other folks have. Right. Yep. Uh, and you don't have to even look that hard for it. I remember some of the, some of the best fellowship and this is maybe the, the Southern Baptist in it that we're bringing it back to food. Uh, you with Easter dinner and me with, and there were times where as we were getting started, uh, and the last place where we were, uh, before we moved to Bolivar here, um, we'd have Bible study in the evenings and just have pancake dinner, something like that. We, we'd do something where we just got together, had some fellowship and got to know some other folks. Uh, that would include folks like the associate pastor and his wife mm -hmm. who were fresh to the area. There was another couple who had moved in because there was a construction project going on and, and he moved to where the construction projects were because he ran them for the, for the company. And so, uh, just being able to intentionally connect with folks, uh, is huge and, and a right. huge blessing moving yeah. forward and definitely does well fighting against that loneliness. Yeah. You're not the only one out there. Invite the yeah. others in with you, you know? Yep. hundred percent. Yeah. As you think about that, um, dealing with boundaries, uh, dealing with loneliness, are there any particular resources that come to mind, whether it's books or other podcasts or uh, you know, Bible studies that are out there? Some of some of the, probably my go-to resource, this, this doesn't deal necessarily specifically with boundaries and that, but uh, Dangerous Calling, that resource from mm. David Tripp has been phenomenal for a pastor just to understand the calling that's on his life, how important that is, what you're getting into, realizing that it's not going to be the safest place. You know, I, I don't know who made this up where they say the safest place to be is in the center of God's will. You know, well, ask Paul that, you know? Yeah, no doubt. Ask ask some of our missionaries that, you know? Yeah, it, it's ask not, Stephen. It's not the safest place to be, but it's it's the most favored place to be, you know? Yeah. And, and, and I think... Um, you know, Paul Tripp's resource there, Dangerous Calling, is really good. Um, of course, was it Townsend's who did the Boundaries books? Boundaries, I, yeah. I think there's all kind of boundaries for everything now out there. But, <laughs> but you know, those just just some of that teaching can be really helpful as well. Um, and and I think too, one of the strengths of 
uh, especially in our convention, you know, one of the, one of the things your your convention or a denominational group or network or whatever is you've got some of that fellowship potential built in to your church. Yeah. You know, and I just encourage our guys all the time is to to rely on these other guys that are around you anyway. You know, they're there. We've got some of that fellowship. I think this is one of the strengths of of a network or a state convention or a association or whatever it may be. Um, is you've got some of that built in, and, and so I would say that's a resource. You've got some guys that are that are there. Yeah. Maybe won't be your best friends, you know, but but they're there. They're in it with you, and um, and they're probably close to you enough to to meet with every once in a while. Yeah. That, as I'm thinking that through, and I'm thinking about you know if you're if you're watching or listening to this, and you are recognizing, wow, I. I'm really struggling, uh, whether it's really struggling with boundaries or really struggling with loneliness. Yep. Uh, do recognize there are probably people already around you yep. who can help. Yep. Uh, right. Also recognize there are usually folks not too far off that if you need to talk to somebody in right. a professional capacity right. that you can find. Um, one of the resources that's out there for you, the, the podcast here is through the Blair Center for Training and Pastoral Health mm -hmm. with Southwest Baptist University. You can go to www.blaircenter.org and you'll find some resources there, including a measure that's going to help you determine if you're personally beginning to struggle with burnout or not. Uh, and so just some things to think about. Uh, Ryan, thank you so much yeah, for being on the good. podcast. It's, Absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'm excited that we were able to do this today. Um, any final thoughts? Any final words? You know what? Let me let me maybe piggyback on what you just said. Is it is not weakness to go get help. Mm, amen. And if you're if you're in a place where you're just really feeling down a little bit, um, seek that out. And and there's probably avenues to do that wherever you are. I mean, there's going to be whether counseling groups or whatever, but seek that out. It's okay to to need a little help every once in a while. Thanks. Thanks for being on. Thanks for the, those thoughts. And uh, thanks for, the for all of you watching and listening. Uh, thanks. Lord bless you. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>